Good to see you guys tonight. Anybody here for the first time? Men, come on. I see a guy. I see a hand there. Welcome. Welcome to all you watching online. Let's turn on our Bibles right away back into the book of 1 Peter. You guys enjoyed the prayer time last week? It's kind of sweet, huh? A little different, huh? You had to sit there with Jesus. Kind of cool, though. I like that. But it was good. But uh, chapter 4, verse 1 through 6 tonight. But I want to read to you my beginning passage. Because, of course, the title tonight, we're again looking at the keys to suffering, part two, armed for the battle. And Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, you don't got to turn there, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of God in this, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. These perilous times, difficult, stressful, even, even demonic. That word perilous is the same word that was used to describe the demonic man of the Gadareans. Of course, it's characterized by the type of behavior that we're seeing today. And the crazy thing, this was written thousands of years ago, and it just described kind of what you see on the news, if you're still watching the news. I was telling the guys I heard about this shooting yesterday only because Lester talks to me about when we lower and raise the flag and we get those directives and such. And he, so he runs it by me first. Hey, do I lower it for this? Do I lower it for this? And so what happened? What happened? Oh, my gosh. Crazy, you guys. Armed for the battle. Difficult, demonic times. How do we prepare? How do we get ready? How are we and are we ready for what is happening even right now in these last days? In our, main, in our passage, the main phrase or point is arm yourselves. Verse 1, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves. Also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he should no longer live for the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. I'll say that again. But for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries... In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And for this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. And the word arm yourself, of course, means to arm oneself with weapons or, or as to put on armor. And the picture, of course, is preparation for battle. In our passage, Peter's calling the believers, man, to be strong, to be focused, to be determined, unwavering in their beliefs, no matter what the suffering, much like when you send a soldier to the front lines, that he's ready. He's armed for the battle that is sure to come his way. And, and understanding that knowing how to face the trials and the sufferings and the persecutions is critical to you, guys, in these last days as Christians. How do we endure? How do we get through this? How do we stand up against, really, ultimately, what is, I see, more a, 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 an opportunity for the devil than for any of us to go through any physical suffering? What, that's what Peter, of course, is talking about here. You know, Christ died physically, he suffered physically. None of us is afraid of walking out the door and getting beat up. None of us is afraid of getting killed. None of us is afraid of going to jail for our faith, for being here tonight. That's, 
That's not it. But the application for us, of course, tonight is that, that our adversary, the devil, he's, he's roaring. And, and we are in a spiritual battle. We're in a warfare that is way beyond our ability to fight, to even comprehend, to understand how deep it is, how dark it is. But for us, we got to know how to endure, how to, to battle. And remember, a few weeks back, we talked about the keys to suffering part one. By way of reminders, these five things we talked about. Remember, doing good will bring peace. Remember, your suffering is going to be rewarded. Remember, always keep Christ as Lord, number one. Remember to always be eager to share your hope and remember to keep doing good. But now, tonight, Peter gives us some more keys to suffering, but more on a focused um, area where it's just kind of like honing in. Hey, guys, hey, arm yourselves. Be ready. Be ready for the fight that is sure. Armed with what? Number one, armed with the attitude of Christ in verse one. Armed doing the will of God in verse two. Armed by having no desire for the past, verse three through five. And armed with the hope of eternal life, as you can see up on the screen there. And you can pick up those notes as well. So number one, verse one, be armed with the attitude or the mind of Christ. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh... Arm yourself also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Interesting verse here, isn't it? See, our attitude or our mind or our purpose should be the same as Christ. Now, understand, of course, Christ knew he was going to suffer. He knew he was going to the cross. This was the plan from the foundation. The cross wasn't an afterthought. The cross wasn't, hey, well, when you get there, well, maybe we'll just, no, no, it was from the beginning. He knew why he was going to come. He knew he was going to suffer. And we as his disciples, that's what Peter's saying. And we talked about this, the reality of suffering. As his disciples, we're going to suffer because he suffered. That's the reality. And of course, the reality for the believers that Peter's talking about is the true reality of suffering in the flesh, possibly even to death. And for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. What this means is the believer who has had their faith seriously tested by physical abuse, just as Jesus was. Now think about that. Think you're a Christian and you do walk out there and you just get beaten, whipped and ridiculed and spit on and kicked out of your house and run off and everything. I mean, you've gone through it for your faith and you maintain your faith. You know what? You're all in. You're done playing church. You're, you're done riding the fence. You're done one foot in the world, one foot. You're done flirting with the devil and flirting with the things of the certain. No, 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 no. Man, I have suffered for Christ. I'm all in. I'm done with sin. I'm done with the old man. I'm done with the ways of the flesh. That's what Peter's talking about here. They've ceased from sin. They're not sinless. But I tell you what, they're sinning less. They're not perfect, but they're being perfected. And that's what we're talking about here. They're all in. What they believed was the truth. And think about it, man. They were all in. Man, why else would grown men die? You think about the disciples. If this was a lie, if this wasn't true, if they didn't really see the resurrected Christ, I mean, it would be stupid. To allow your, yeah, so wait, time out, time out, just kidding, just kidding, guys. Hey, back off, you know, take, put your swords away, just, you know, it was all a joke. No, no, it wasn't. What they believed, they truly believed. And they went to their graves. They died because of that. Question for us is, this, does this reflect us? Are we all in? Are you all in? Is this it? No turning back, giving it all for Christ. Would you be willing to die for him? Would you be willing to die for your faith? That's a question, huh? <laughs> I guess we could find out, go head over to China or go to Iran and get on the corner, start preaching Jesus because it won't last long. <laughs> Bottom line, guys, as we know, since Christ suffered the reality, we're going to suffer. So number one, be ready. Be ready. Be ready for what? Be ready for the spiritual warfare. 
And of course, much of our suffering comes at the hands of the devil. And of course, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. You got to know this address. I'm sure many, many, many of you do. But this is, this is the passage of scripture on spiritual warfare. The Apostle Paul knew all about it. He concludes the letter to the Ephesians about the spiritual warfare. This speaks about the whole armor of God. Be ready. And every day, guys, every moment, we got to be ready. How do we be ready? Number, verse 10, chapter 6, verse Ephesians. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. What did I just describe there? Rankings and organization of demonic forces that are allied against you and me right now, right now, this moment. In this room, you can't think because you walk in this building, all the demons stayed outside there. No, they're all in Bob. I mean, no, they're all around us. <laughs> I'm sorry, that wasn't right, Bob. <laughs> Come on, baby. Verse 13, though. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand an evil day and having done all to stand. Oftentimes, when speaking with brothers that are going through it, sometimes all you can do is just, you got to stand. You got to stand that armor on and then let the Lord fight this battle around you. He, and it's him who's going to win this battle. You can't do it. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're biting God to the pulling down of those strongholds. Wouldn't it be nice, though, to be able to get out the boxing gloves and say, okay, devil, let's go, buddy. You're going down. I mean, one day we will see him. As he is, and we're going to marvel going, wait a minute. This skinny little Don Knox was the one who messed with us all of our lives? But it ain't the way it is now, buddy. Christ, the Holy Spirit, and then the devil. And we're way down here as far as the ability. But we got to just stand. Stand, verse 14. Therefore, having girded your waist with truth right here having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts. He didn't say some of them. He didn't say a couple. He said all. That shield of faith, you guys, what you believe in is truth. It's real. It's right. And that shield of faith, it's, and in Scripture, Psalms speaks Often of the Lord is our shield, our defender. Man. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Woo, hold it up, the sword of the spirit. Which he didn't do that very well. The sword of the spirit, hold it up. Which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Brothers, be ready. Number two, though, be alert. Peter tells us about this in the book that we're studying. We'll be there in about a month or so. Chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking, as we said earlier, whom he will devour. Walking about, seeking, lurking, Looking, studying, watching, waiting. The devil's an opportunist. He's no dummy. He ain't going to come at you when you're sitting with your Bible in your face. He's going to come at you when you're not even looking, when you're not expecting, when you've left your armor at home, so to speak. Be alert, brothers. Don't get caught off guard by the enemy. I'm telling you, that is the worst Thing that can happen. Amen? You know what I'm talking about when you get caught off guard? When you're just kind of like lollygagging through life and you're just kind of like, man, everything's great and you're just whatever, whatever. Maybe, maybe it is when you, you've had just a great day and you come home and you're just not even prepared for the, the battle that might be waiting for you when you walk inside the door. If you know what I mean, brothers. And you walk in and just all of a sudden it's like, bam! What happened? 
Where did that come from? Or maybe it's when you get to work and you're just kind of walking around and all of a sudden you turn around the corner and there's that secretary. And she's half-dressed, so to speak, whatever. Bam! You're caught off guard. You're caught off guard. The devil loves to catch us off guard, guys. You can't. Be alert. Always walking in the power of the Spirit, under his power, with your mind trained, ready. Armor is on. Not that you're looking for demons around every single corner, but you're not being stupid. You're being diligent. You're being alert. You're being sober because you recognize. But then number three, though, be encouraged, though. This attitude of Christ, 1 Peter 4, 12 and 3, we know 12 to 13, right next to us. We'll talk about this in a couple weeks. His beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice. Peter, are you crazy? Rejoice. Rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, when he comes back, you may also be glad with exceeding joy, you guys. Again, being reminded, man, they were to rejoice knowing that they were suffering as Jesus did, but they would also be rewarded just as Jesus was rewarded, you guys. So number one, be armed with the attitude, the mind, the purpose of Christ. Number two, be armed doing the will of God. Verse two, that he, us, no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men and say with me, but for the will of God. But for the will of God. Since they were done with sin and they were all in, guys, huh? Peter is telling these believers, man, arm yourselves with a commitment to do the will of God. Are you doing the will of God tonight? No longer living for yourself, for the flesh, for the things of this world. And when we know what God's will is for our lives, you guys, Man, what we are supposed to be doing, where we are supposed to be going, it makes all the difference in our suffering and in our trials. Why? Because we understand there's a purpose in it. You're, you're doing God's will. You're doing the work of the Lord. You're going to be attacked. But there's purpose in your life. It's just not willy-nilly happening. No. Even in suffering. And Peter says, of course, he says, to live no longer, don't live the rest of your time. And you got to ask yourself, there are some here who have quite a bit of time left. And there's some here who have maybe a little bit shorter about a time left. But what are you doing with the rest of your time? Because the rest of your time starts right now. The rest of your life, so to speak, the rest of your time on earth. What are you doing, guys? What are we doing? What are you going to do with the rest of your time? And what is the will of God for your life? What is your purpose? For me, and I've shared this before, when it comes down to it, my, my testimony scripture, so to speak, of being called to come on staff, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, reading this, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I read that. It was a Sunday night back in November 1992. And I came on staff, actually, on the 29th of this month. And how many days is that? Can't, whatever, how many days? Be my 28th anniversary of coming on staff here at Calvary Chapel. Amen. 28 years. All because being in the Word of God, asking, Lord, what is your purpose? What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to say yes? Am I supposed to say no? Show me, show me, speak to me. Bam. The door is opened up for me. Now, this particular door isn't open to everyone. But it doesn't mean there isn't a door open for you to find out what God's will is for your life, specifically when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to your faith. So what is the will of God? Well, we got from Scripture, we got five things for sure we know we can say this is the will of God for my life. Without doubt, without a question. Why? Because it says this is the will of God. Number one, his will is to reach the lost. Man. And that's what we got to be doing first and foremost, you guys. 
That's the, that's the reason Christ came. Totally. Preach the gospel. Why do we know it's, it's his will? 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackless, but his long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Not willing. The will of the Lord is that for all men to come to him. So guys, we need to be preaching the gospel, not preaching the gospel of politics, not preaching the gospel of culture, not preaching the gospel of prosperity, not preaching the gospel of whatever is out there. And there's so much in the church and so many in church we've talked about before where they're off track. The gospel is, is gone. The true gospel. It's a gospel of something else. No. First and foremost, guys, we, we know the will of the Lord. Number one, that men get saved. Reach the lost. Number two, though, his will is to do good. We read this in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12 and verse 15. Jump over here. Verse 15 says, for this is the will of God of chapter 2. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Jumping up to verse 12, what was he talking about? Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, you doing good, which they observe, glorify God in day of visitation. Simple there, huh? Do good, his will. Do good. Peter said by doing good that even while suffering, the unbelievers would see their good works as an amazing testimony. How are you doing in your suffering? Is, it a, is there a good witness there? Or are you suffering worse than the Gentile non-believer that sits next to you in the office or wherever you work? Are they going through life better than you? Put it that way. So I'm doing the will of God. His will is to reach the lost. Second, his will is to do good. Number three, his will is to give thanks. Man. And being thankful even in suffering, guys, is victory. If you can be thankful in the midst of suffering, man, you, you, you're light years ahead. You're, you're where Paul, the apostle, the great apostle Paul was when he came to the end of his life. You read over there in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, man. He boasts in his infirmities. He bring them all, man. For when I'm weak, he is made strong. He was nuts. Can't wait to meet him, but he's crazy. But his will is to give thanks because you become content with all things. It doesn't matter. Plenty, as Paul said, or none. Content, he told the Philippian believers. Man, and that is such a powerful witness to non-believers, brothers. This was Paul's attitude, be able to give thanks. And of course, what did he say to the Thessalonians? Chapter 5, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Number four, his will is to be sanctified. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Speaking of the practical aspect of sanctification, of course, again, the witness is powerful to the non-believers, you guys. Man, Paul told, told again the Thessalonians, chapter 4, for this is the will of God. Your sanctification, my sanctification, and what did that look like? That you should abstain from sexual immorality. Any sexual immorality going on around you, brothers? Any of that stuff being displayed at your workplace, talked about? It's all over. But when you can abstain from that, when you can be set apart from that, when you purpose in your heart and you exercise your self-control and you say no to the flesh, yes to the spirit, and people see that, that you're not running, as Peter says here, in the same flood of disposition or disposition, dissipation. I'll say it. I get it finally three times there. <laughs> when you're not running that same way, they look at you and go like, that's part of why they talk about you. Because you don't laugh at the jokes. You don't get involved in the jokes. You don't look at the pictures. You don't check out the stuff on the Internet on the phone. You turn away from it. You run from it. Man, his will to be sanctified, to be set apart, not conducting yourselves like you used to. Remember those days, 
for the lusts of men, the pleasures of this life, you act differently, you guys. That is the will of God, not caught up in the filth of this world. Not easy in the world we live in, though, amen? Everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, it's there. His will is to be sanctified. Number five, though, his will is to be transformed. Romans 12, 2, we love this. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How does that happen? Being transformed by the renewing that comes from the word of God, you guys. See, when we are in the word of God, we're able to know what God's perfect will is. It speaks to us. Like I shared about my testimony, come on staff. Had I not been in the Word, had I not been reading what I have heard the call, what I have heard his voice, what I have known what he wanted me to do. Now, God could speak through a donkey, so it might have been some other way, but the Word of God is the best way. Man, able to know what God's perfect will is. And these passages, they give us insight, guys, into the will of God for all believers. This is universal stuff here. Not so much specifically. But the question for you tonight, though, is what specifically is the perfect will of God for you? And there's no better place to be, guys, when you know that you know that you know. However that looks, whatever that looks like in your life, and when you find your purpose in this life, no matter the suffering you go through, again, it makes the suffering bearable and even understandable. Think about Joseph. We talked about Joseph a couple weeks ago. Man, remember in Genesis 50, verse 19 to 21, Jacob has died. His brothers are there like, uh-oh, dad's dead. Now it's just us and Joe. And they were afraid. They thought he was going to basically toast them because he could. He was second in command of Pharaoh. But what happened? What's, how's the scripture? I don't know. Joseph knew it. They started getting shaky with him. He said, oh, time out, guys. Wait, wait. And he said to them, do not be afraid. For am I in the place of God? Man, look at the humility in that guy. But as for you, you meant evil against me. The enemy means evil against us, guys, when these things happen. But God meant it for good. See, Joseph understood his purpose. He understood why? He understood what the will of God was for his life. He was able to discern and figure it out and see. It's like as he walked through his life. Wow. Why? In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Isn't that interesting? The salvation that came through Joseph knowing what God's will was for his life. Apply it to us tonight. The salvation that is to come from us in preaching the gospel to the unsaved as the will of God for our lives, guys. We got to get to the main thing, brothers. Preaching the gospel. All the stuff that, that people are caught up in this world today is a distraction. Even the church is distracted. They're off course. They're being caught up in all this stuff, in the, the gospel of politics, the gospel of red and blue, for crying out loud. It's sickening, actually, when you think about it. It's a disgrace to the Lord. He's like, what are you, what are you churches doing? I didn't come for politics. I come to seek and save that which was lost. Drop that stuff. Not the, the gospel of, of all the, the crazy conspiracy theories that are on the internet about COVID and all this stuff and taking the shot, getting the mark of the beast. You know, <laughs> we're thinking of maybe having a, um, a vaccine clinic here at the church because they're, they're doing that at churches now. And so I thought it'd be kind of funny to, to put in line, you know, here's, you know, Pfizer line here. Uh, those who want the mark of the beast line over here, you know. <laughs> That'd be wicked, huh? <laughs> Sorry. That's just funny. <laughs> Anyhow, arm yourself, guys, knowing the will of God for your life. Find out what you're to do, man, with the rest of your lives. Find out what you're supposed to do. With the salvation of men being, of course, totally in the mix at the top of the list there. So number three now, be armed having no desire for the past. 
verse 3 through 5. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Does that describe anybody's testimony right there? Or is it the only, I'm the only one? Crazy. See, Peter reminds them how they used to act. And he includes himself, you guys. You pick that up. We. We. He includes himself in this list of ungodly, evil behavior. And the crazy thing is oftentimes we remember the past, right? We recount the past. And we actually laugh and we make fun. I kid you not, a week and a half ago, on the phone with a guy I hadn't talked to in years. He was the best man in my wedding. Went to Torrance High School with me. Wrestled with me. Crazy guy. And we're sitting there, we're talking, and he's, he's kind of like this with the Lord. He knows I'm a pastor and all, but he starts recounting stories and, and reminding me, of the, you remember that? You remember that? And before you know it, we are laughing. It's like, oh, but then, man, recognizing, guys, that we, we weren't having fun. Man, we were under the power of Satan. Think about that. When you were doing what you were doing, when I was doing what I was doing, in reality, what Peter said, you've spent enough time doing the will of the devil. Now let's do the will of God. Number one with that, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time, guys. What are you doing with the rest of your life? Don't waste your time on the stuff in the past. You wasted enough time. And I don't know about you, but man, there are so many. I look back, and, and of course, the enemy brings things up for condemnation and guilt and shame. I, I see it also as a way of reminding me that I don't ever want to go back there. No desire for the past. And, and one of the things I remember, remember when I would do cocaine. And you would go out, and oh my gosh, it's going to be the great, oh, whatever, you know. And then the next day, anybody remember the next day after cocaine? You those, those guys out there? I'm telling you what, that was the worst it was the worst. That's why I don't think I ever really got crazy with it. One, you felt so horrible. But for me, I would wake up having two kids at that time, realizing I had just blown, I don't know how much money, gone, just like that. And then looking and seeing my kids and thinking, what could I have done with that money with my kids, man? Don't waste your time, guys. Two, don't be fooled. Do not be fooled by the temptation and the lies of the devil. Why? Because the devil is going to tell you, it wasn't that bad. Come on, Rob, that wasn't that bad. I mean, you didn't spend that much money on Coke. Come on. I mean, there was a lot of good in there, a lot of fun times, right? Man, he's not going to remind you of, of the horrible, ugly times. He's going to remind you of the fun. Like that movie, The, the Hangover. I saw the, the TV version of that. And that's a perfect example, perfect illustration there of what, you know, those guys had that crazy out of control night. And, and I don't know about you guys in the Vegas nights, but some of that stuff, that was like, hello. And yet, don't be fooled. It was, it was all a lie. It was all darkness, you guys. Man, we got to be reminded because the enemy comes back and says, ah, you know. Maybe you hear a, an old song or something, right? See an old movie, whatever, and, and you, your mind begins to kind of drift and wander back. And you just, man, I remember, yeah. The devil's kind of like going, ooh, like the songs of Cyrene. Come over here. Come on back. I'll tell you what, man, I will never go back to Vegas, ever. I went back in 08 to do a nephew's wedding. I don't care. I don't care. You couldn't pay me 10 million bucks to go back to Vegas. No way. Don't be fooled, guys. And also, three, don't look back. Looking back and, and longing for the things to be like they were. That's the devil whispering right there, of course. Because looking back, guys, will destroy your walk. Look what happened to Lot's wife. Man. Just like that. What did Jesus say to those who look back? Having taken the plow, you are not fit 
for the kingdom of God. Wow, is that an indictment there, man? Don't be looking back, brothers. Fourthly, though, don't be surprised when they speak evil. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. You know, sure enough, they're talking about you behind your back, where you work, in your families, neighbors. Don't be surprised. Man, I remember when we had just gotten saved in, in back in the grocery industry days and went to a party with all the people from the, grocery, you know, the store and everything. And I remember going in, and man, we were all, man, we're fired. We're saved now. We're Christians. We're born again. And come walking in, and of course, the party's full on, and we come walking in, and of course, hey, here's the beer. Hey, you want? Nope, 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 nope. Not drinking no more, man. I'm saved. I'm born again. And I'll never forget, early Dela Cruz, poor guy passed away. He comes walking up. He's got, a, of course, a beer in his hand and a joint in his mouth. And he's like, here, Stove, come on. Yeah, then, nope, nope, nope. Saved him. He goes, get into religion, man. Just like that. Just as mockingly as in your face as he could be. Oh, my gosh. And, of course, it's, you know, the old line is, it's not religion. It's a relationship, you know. <laughs> Just, oh, my gosh. And there were years ago, after that, though, I actually was on staff already. Um, I, I used to go backpacking with buddies from the past, whatever. And, uh, and for some reason, they would, they would call me up every summer. Hey, you want to go? You want to go? And by then, it was like, okay, Lord, they keep calling. So it was like a mission trip. So actually, I teamed up with, anybody remember Randy McGlade? Some of you old timers, Randy McGlade? Come on, I see one hand, two hands, three, there we go. He used to lead worship here years ago at the old church and at the beginning here. Well, so me and him team up. And so we go to this place. We backpack in with these guys. And we go to this place called Fourth Recess up in um, High Sayers, past Samano Pass, up above past Bishop. Awesome place. So we're there. And, of course, we know that the guys are going to be partying. So the main group sets up their tents here. And we kind of, you know, pull a little way over here, our little area here and everything. So, so one night after dinner, you know, me and Randy decided to take a little walk along the lake and we got a little lantern, we're out there, and, and the stars and the Milky Way, it looked three-dimensional. It was amazing. So we start singing, how great thou art. Oh, Lord, my God. When I, and, and Randy could sing. I couldn't sing, but Randy could sing. And we were singing at the top of our lungs, and it was echoing out there and everything. We didn't care. We knew everybody could hear us. We didn't care. So we get back to our tent and... We start getting ready to bed down, and we're in a tent. We just kind of, and all of a sudden, both of it at the same time, we look, and there's a freshly rolled joint right there in our tent. Ah! The devil's been in our tent. Oh my gosh! And we pick that thing up. We take it outside. We smash it into the ground. We obliterate it. Sure enough, man, the guys, of course, hearing us, mocking us, talking about us because I used to smoke dope with them. So they're like, <laughs> we'll see how strong he is. That was crazy, you guys. Don't be surprised, though, when they speak evil, when they talk behind your back because of what you've done. That's a good thing. If they're not talking about your back, behind your back, maybe there's something wrong here. Maybe you're fitting into you well. But the last thing, number five, don't forget, though, they will be judged. Not that we want them to be judged. We want them to be saved but they will stand before God is what Peter's talking about. They'll give an account because they did not believe. They'll be judged and condemned. So be armed, brothers. No desire for the past. Amen? No desire. And fourthly, lastly, be armed with the hope of eternal life. Verse 6, he goes on to say, For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Man, no suffering, no spiritual welfare, no persecution, guys. No physical death can steal the victory from a believer, brothers. You got to believe that. Why? Because even in death, man, we will overcome sin. We will enter heaven. And when we do funerals, most of the time I share that. You know what? All death does is it's all it is is the key that unlocks eternal life. Because when you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you read down through there, verse 50 to 57, man, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. 
this thing has to be put off in order for me to get to heaven unless the church is raptured. But the great thing about that passage of Scripture, as I'll turn and read it to you, you don't got to turn there. It says here, though, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, when I have died, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, guys. Man, the hope of eternal life that when we do die, we're going to heaven. Peter says that for this reason, the gospel was preached. Of course, what he's saying is that because of this eternal judgment in verse 5, the gospel was preached to the dead and the righteous dead, those who had already died, know and live on in constant awareness of the reality of eternity, those who have died. And they are rewarded by this understanding as they live according to God and the Spirit. So this reason the gospel was preached to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, men who were still alive, but now live according to God and the Spirit. And so Peter, of course, he teached us, he taught us that, the, that Jesus wouldn't preach to the spirits in prison, right? Up there in verse 19, chapter 3. But during this time, of course, Jesus preached also a message of salvation to the faithful dead in Abraham's bosom, as we read in Luke 16. This preaching to those who are dead was not an offer of a second chance, as some might teach, some big church denomination out there. Won't speak of the Catholics, but that's who they are. But the completion of the salvation of those who have been faithful to God under the first chance, their first chance. So, and of course, Jesus fulfilled the promise that he would lead captivity captive, as stated in Psalm 68, 18, and also Ephesians chapter 4. He would proclaim liberty. Pastor Jeff just talked about this in Isaiah to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, Isaiah 61, 1 and Luke 4, 18. And it's believed also that Peter was talking to and referring to the dead, those who had been martyred during their time as well, as a way to encourage the believers there. Hey, those who are suffering, the readers of this letter, man, be faithful, you guys. Be encouraged. Be hopeful. Be armed with the hope of eternal life, guys. And this hope we have is an anchor. This hope purifies us. And thirdly, this hope is guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. This hope as an anchor. I love this passage in Hebrew. Hebrews chapter 6, 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. This hope is not only Christ. This hope is the hope of eternal life. And it's not a hope like, I hope I win the lottery. This hope is a sure thing. It's a promise. It is guaranteed. It's guaranteed not only for us, but also this hope purifies us. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is, and everyone who has this hope does what? Purifies himself, just as he is pure. Meaning, guys, that, that it causes us or it is, inspires us to want to live right. I got the hope of eternal life. I don't want to mess that up. I don't want to live for the things of the world anymore. I want to turn from that. Like we talked about, no, I don't got time for that anymore. We all stumble in one way or another, but man, we don't keep going back to that. No way. This hope purifies us. Man. But also this hope is guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1.27. Of course, Paul talking to the believers there about the mystery. And the mystery was that the Gentiles could have saving faith. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when Paul taught that, it was mind-blowing. It was unbelievable. It's like, wait a minute. You mean Christ is in us? 
Yes, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And having the Holy Spirit indwelling us, you guys, is the, the guarantee. It's the down payment, so to speak. It's the proof. It's, it's the fruit that gives us the assurance that we are saved. And because Christ was resurrected from the dead, we'll be resurrected from the dead. And the Holy Spirit is there to bear witness to that and give us that hope. And this hope is guaranteed by the Holy Spirit, brothers. Man, be armed with the hope of eternal life as you endure the sufferings and the challenges and the, the warfare in this life. Man, knowing that it could be today. Could it be today? Let me ask this question. Are you ready for it to be today? You guys didn't say that too? Like, come on. Anybody doubting that, man, stand your feet. Let's pray. Let's get it taken care of right now. Man, would to God that he would just say, whoop, gone. Some application. Number one, find the will of God for your life. What is it that he wants you to do? And for me, back in the days when I was sitting where you were, to be involved in the church for me was life. Because, man, I was in a job that I just like, oh, my gosh, I just can't stand to think I got to get up another day and go to work. And yet, oh, men's study Tuesday night or whatever, church Thursday night or church Sunday. I mean, that, that was life involved, not just coming and sitting. Oh, man, I get to usher. I get to usher. I'm ushering. It's my turn to usher. I mean, that's how it was. And then discipleship. You guys remember the old days of discipleship? Man, gosh, man, it gave me the ability to endure so many of the things of this life. The depression that comes is like, oh, my gosh, this can't be all there is. No way. Find out what the will of God is, guys. Find the place God has for you including, of course, the salvation for the lost. Number two, though, it's never God's will for us to turn back. Now, that's something like a, a really? No kidding. Yeah. But unfortunately, because of the warfare, there are guys who do turn back, who go back to the flesh. The suffering comes. The challenges come. Things don't go their way. God didn't answer the prayer the way I wanted it. I lost my this. I lost this. This happened. This happened. You know what, God? And the lies of the devil chase the person straight out the door. It's never God's will for you to turn back. Think about Peter. Think about even when you mess up. And that's when most guys just say, done. I've messed up so bad. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I did this again, whatever. And they turn. But man, remember Peter in John 21. Now, in John 21, it says there that Jesus appeared again to the disciples. This is the third time that he's appeared to Peter. But in that, that chapter there, one of the things that happens is that Peter's with the boys, and he says, you know what, guys? I'm going fishing. And most believe that was Peter saying, you know what? I'm going back. I'm going back. I messed up so bad. I denied the Lord. You guys didn't deny the Lord. I denied the Lord. Goodness. Imagine how he must have felt. I'm going back to the old life. So what does Jesus do? Hmm. Jesus didn't tell Peter to go back to fishing. And the wonderful thing about it is that Jesus came and rescued Peter. Come on, guys, sit down. Let's have some fish by the fire here. And we know he goes through that whole thing. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my lambs. He rescues Peter. Why? Because it wasn't God's will for Peter to go fishing for fish. It was God's will for Peter to fish for men. Jesus told him at the beginning, I will make you fishers of men. God never wants you to turn. Never, 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 guys. Never turn back. I love that Winston Churchill's speech, Harold School, October 29, 1941. You've heard it before. When he says, he gets up, he, it's supposed to be this big, big, giant speech, whatever he just says this. Never give in. Never, never, never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in. Except to convictions of honor and good sense, never yield to force 
And here it is, guys. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. This is how that applies to us, guys. Don't give in to the lies of the devil. Don't. Never. And thirdly, keep the armor on, brothers. Hold up that shield of faith. Keep it on. We're all in the sights. The war, <laughs> the battle is on, man. You've got to be armed. You've got to be ready. Things are definitely heating up. And when we get back into the study, verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. We'll be in that passage in a few weeks, brothers. Ready for battle. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Let's pray. And Father, again, thank you. Thank you for your instruction. Thank you for Peter. Thank you for what he experienced in his life, that he could be able to be that apostle who was teaching these new believers, these, those that had been suffering for their faith and all that had taken place, Lord. And God, thank you that we can be armed for the battle and that we are ready. And that, Lord, you are with us. You are for us. You're on our side. And I pray for my brothers. I pray for any that are faltering, faltering, struggling, maybe being tripped up by the enemy. Even now, God, you would remind them that that's not your will for their lives. You have a perfect, beautiful, wonderful will. I pray for every man here tonight that he would hear your voice. He would know clearly he'd be in that perfect will even now. Walking in your ways with, Lord, really the salvation of souls as the number one priority in that plan, that purpose, Lord. So bless my dear brothers, Lord, even in their group time. Speak and minister, Lord. Strengthen those who are weary. Strengthen those who are going through it even now, Lord. Father, help them to get their eyes on you, not on the things of this earth. And the Lord, you would lift them and you would encourage them, Lord. So bless, we pray. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.